All right. Hi. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird, a one and done episode. Our minimal research maximum enjoyment. Yes. And it's a special episode today because we're recording at a time that we don't normally record. So we're both sober, which I think is more ridiculous when we're sober than when we're actually drinking. So this should be a fun one. I feel like alcohol is the uh, grease that these wheels need to get moving most days, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm drinking. I feel so fancy. I told Tiffany when we started uh, recording that I'm drinking a double espresso and I have like the tiniest little cup and I feel like, what is that? The giant from Gulliver, Gulliver, Gulliver. I can't even fucking say it. Gulliver. (laughs) It's the caffeine by the end of this episode you'll think that you're listening to it at two times speed but it's just because Cassie finished her coffee (laughs) and speaking of fancy I don't think there's anything more fancy than a scientist winning awards the fanciest yes I I don't know have you heard of it Nobel Prize um no please tell me more I I I'd never heard of it before this episode either but we're actually (laughs) breaking news You heard it here first. Nobel Prize gives awards to very smart people. Um, Whoa. So we're actually not going to talk about the Nobel War- Awards. We oh, are going... to switch. <laughs> we're, well, it is in the name, but it's called IG Nobel Prize, and it is actually a satirical Nobel Prize. Oh, like the Razzies. Yes, exactly. But okay. they are based on actual actual scientific studies so this episode we are going to talk about some wacky scientific studies that have happened sounds amazing yes I never know what we're talking about before the episode starts on the one and done mm-hmm. in case the listener hasn't caught on to that by now it's not a bit I really don't know what's happening that's how I like to live my life yes you never know what's coming around the next corner mm-hmm. and it is exhilarating just like this espresso my eyes are gonna bug <laughs> out of my skull <laughs> Uh. (laughs) all right so without further ado uh, let me just put my little tiny itty bitty cup down um the sources for this are wikipedia ig nobel prize page and the actual research papers published in academic journals per usual they'll all be in our descriptions um now back to the nobel prize the actual prestigious Nobel Prize awards go for things like peace, literature, chemistry, economics, medicine. Uh, the list goes on for awards that you could win by a Nobel Prize. I mean, I think everybody knows the Nobel Peace Prize. Even if you don't know anything about, you know, Nobel Pre- Peace, everyone kind of knows that. Mm-hmm. So Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize, which is interesting after the fact. <laughs> Um, and Albert Einstein won the Nobel Physics Prize. So I feel like, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility for us based on the list that we're going over right now. Oh, we are. We're, we're in the running. Uh, yes, I got, I just read the email the other day. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Cool, cool. <laughs> yes. So the IG Nobel Prize was started in 1994 by Mark Abrahams. He was editor-in-chief of Annals of Improbable Research. Is it Annals? Annals? I think it's Annals, but 
Not I'm a scientist, <laughs> not a doctor. I don't know. Did I just say NLs? Like anals? Like, I think it's anals. <laughs> uh, that reminds me. I was driving to a yard sale one time with a friend, and it was on um, the yard sale was on Collins Street, and he pronounced it Collins Street. <laughs> beautiful. That's and beautiful. It was, it was chef's kiss. Okay. So every year in September, around the same time as the actual Nobel Prizes are awarded, the IG Nobels have a ceremony in which they announce the recipients. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the ceremony this year. In fact, I might even get tickets. <laughs> it seems <laughs> kind of fun. Um, so here's a couple of IG Nobel Prize winners throughout the years since 1994. And the first scientific study that we are going to talk about is in, well, I might be back from the future because I wrote 2029. (gasps) What? Yes. Is this how we discover that we're time travelers and that's how we got the Nobel Prize for time traveling? I think so. Um, Shit. I'm going to assume I meant 2019. Mm -hmm. The IG Nobel Prize for Material Science went to... Metten, Aaron, Michelle, Beber, James Norris, Alyssa Perone, Ashley Rutusky, Michael Wilson, and Mary Ragahadi. I'm so sorry if I mispronounce your names. Um, they were studying whether or not knives manufactured from frozen human feces were effective for tools, skinning, or butchery. <laughs> your face. <laughs> Um, I thought you were frozen. No, <laughs> I was frozen with fear, not with bad Wi-Fi connection. Okay. Um, okay. 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 Human feces. Yes. So was there anything, do you know, I don't know if you know this, was there anything surrounding the human feces or was it just frozen and then chiseled shit? All right. I will get into that because okay, what I okay. did, you're welcome. Everybody listening and Tiffany, I actually don't tell me you made a knife out of shit. I did. (laughs) No, I did not. (laughs) Okay. Um, okay, okay. I went through the scientific studies. I read the study papers and the analysis. So I do provide a conclusion to each of these scientific studies. So you're not left wondering, well, what the fuck can I make a knife out of my own shit and cut somebody with it? Um. I mean, I think I can answer that without the scientific study, but it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> an ethnographic account of an Inuit man who made a knife from his own frozen feces sparked curiosity. So that's kind of where this whole thing started. Mm-hmm. The researchers and subjects went on a diet of high protein and fatty acids to mimic that of an Inuit diet. Then okay. they shit in a ceramic knife mold or molded the knives by hand. I'm assuming they wore gloves, probably, maybe not I if would, they're into it. I would prefer the former. That way you're just sh- shitting directly into the mold. You're not like, oh, and now it's time for arts and crafts. <laughs> Both sets of knives were then submerged in dry ice and frozen at a negative 50 below. Then they began to dissect a pig cadaver upon contact with the knives. And the pig cadaver, they, the, they just began to melt, leaving the cadaver streaked with fecal matter. 
So the the shit wasn't covered in any sort of a there wasn't anything around the shit. That was my question. It's just straight shit. It's not like shit with a thin layer of metal or mm-hmm. bone or I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Okay, so um even if this knife did hold together, <clears throat> There is very limited application where you're going to want whatever you're cutting covered in human shit. I think, well, if you're in a self-defense situation, I think just shitting on the other person is more dangerous. And if you're in a stranded in the Arctic situation, I, I, I... I think you could find anything better than frozen shit if you're stranded in the Arctic. And I, I also like... The situation where you're defending yourself and you're like, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> and then you shit into a knife mold. All right. So here. <laughs> Put it in the blast chiller. <laughs> here is my theory. If you're ever attacked, gosh forbid that you are not. I hope not. I'm knocking on my head right now. Knock on wood. But I think if I was in a situation where I was attacked, I read an account one time. I don't remember where. But a woman was attacked in her home and she acted possessed by Mm -hmm. a demon and it scared off the attacker yeah you act crazy Mm -hmm. so everywhere i think shooting shit at someone would pardon the pun scare the shit out of them there'd just be shit everywhere everyone if you can shoot your shit (laughs) i mean do it um some people shoot their shot i say shoot your shit (laughs) uh the conclusion of this scientific experiment is the frozen shit knives did not work. So maybe if you were in the Arctic, I believe the Inuit people lived in Alaska, I want to say. So it's fr- cold there. So if you were stranded in the cold in the Arctic, whatever, I mean, I don't think the cadaver that you're trying to skin is going to be warmer than your knife. So maybe the conditions of the experiment weren't ideal, but also I'm not a scientist. So I'm going to leave that to the scientists. So Mm -hmm. they won that for 2019. Interesting prize. I thought we'd start out with a bang. You know, I started this off like joking around saying that we could be in the running, but if making shit (laughs) knives, now I actually think we could be in the running for this. Yeah, I, I, we can, we could. Okay. All right. Um, Next up. 2015, the IG Nobel Physics Prize went to Patricia Yang, David Hu, Jonathan Pham, Jerome Chu. And basically, these scientists went to a bunch of zoos and observed, along with timing, animals urinating for testing the biological principle that nearly all mammals empty their bladders in about 21 seconds. <laughs> okay, so what 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 is the benefit of knowing how long it takes animals to pee? Well, if you're again stranded in the wilderness, you see a bear, he stops to pee, you have about 21 seconds give or take, 13 seconds to get away. So you see the Charmin bear <laughs> peeing. <laughs> and then you're like, and go. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Yes. Okay. Okay. 
So I guess this I guess this knowledge could be good to know. Yes. Um so the next one we have is also from 2015. There was a lot going on in 2015 in the scientific community. Or the- not a lot. <laughs> based on how you see. No, this is good. The IG Nobel Mathematics Prize went to Elizabeth Oberzauser, Carl Graham, and Carl Grammer for trying to use mathematical techniques to determine whether and how Maule Ishmael the Bloodthirsty, the Safarian Emperor, managed during the years from 1697 through 1727 to father 888 children. Oh, this one I actually, this is fascinating. Okay. Yes. So, so did the, they just start having sex with as many people as possible for this study? They timed it. They actually no. That would be the that would be the more fun way to do it. They actually used a simulation with mm. multiple factors such as access to a large harem of women, child mm. morality rates or fatality rates, female reproductive issues, etc. A lot of different factors. They created a simulation and they figured that he would have had to copulate one point four three to 1.67 times per day to father that many children. Isn't Genghis Khan supposed to have had a super high amount of children also? I think so. And I think it has something to do with, I believe Mule Ishmael the Bloodthirsty had a large harem of women. And I'm sure Genghis Khan did as well. Yeah. And I think... The bigger the harem, the more children you have. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Of all the things to simulate and use mathematics for, why not sex? That is fascinating. All right. Like I said, 2015 was a very interesting year because we have another one coming from that year. The IG Nobel Physiology and Entomology Prize was awarded to Michael L. Smith for carefully arranging honeybees to sting him repeatedly on 25 different locations on his body to learn which locations are the least painful and which are the most painful. Any guesses on the least and most? Okay. Penis. Thigh. (laughs) Also, I don't want to kink kink shame here, but... Mm -hmm. Come on. Give me a break. <laughs> There's clearly something else going on here. This- <laughs> and this doesn't even, this isn't even how science works. You can't just use one person and base their physical response to something and say that's science. I totally right? agree. First of all, let's go over what was least painful. The skull, the middle <laughs> toe tip, and the upper arm. I think the thigh would be less painful than the middle toe tip. My middle toes are extremely long and thin. I think that would break my middle toe. Well, okay. But my response to the middle toe tip is, does Michael Smith have poor circulation? That true. Because like, who knows? And then the if most I drop pain- a single feather on my foot, I'm crying. <laughs> the most painful was the nostril the upper lip, and the penis shaft. So you were right on the money. Oh my God, Mm 50-50. So he had bees stinging his penis, and we're going to pretend this isn't kinky. Yes, it's kinky. 
I take issue with the fact that he did not have a female subject. I take issue with the fact that he could not find another person who wanted to get stung repeatedly <laughs> by bees just hanging out. Weird. Um, remember when we talked about dating websites and mine was longtoesonly.com? <laughs> yes. I still think we should probably look into that. I think it's a great, great idea. This guy would clearly be a part of it because he must have extremely long toes for it to not. He doesn't even feel it when uh, he gets stung. I mean, who does this? I don't know. Whatever, did he Did he have like a map out of his body? Because like nostril, tip of toe. I mean, they're very precise. Did he have like a grid of his body? I have. I didn't fully delve into the study. And if you want me to elaborate, I can do that for you. I I imagine that they picked probably places and then had the bees sting those specific places. I, I can't see it being very scientific if he just had the bees willy-nilly sting them wherever. Also, but, isn't he just killing these bees for his own kinky amusement? It sounds like it to me. I, I mean, I, I just don't know how you get to a place when you wake up one day and you're like, you know what I think would be good for the am- advancement of humankind? I need a bee to sting my penis. Maybe he's a huge Candyman fan. Maybe. <laughs> and he just binged all the Candyman movies. And then he's like, you know what? Let's take this one step further. <laughs> uh, yeah. I. So, I mean, some of these are helpful experiments because if I am ever stranded and need to skin something I mean I now I know that I don't need to go through the process of trying to shape my frozen poo into a knife I could just skip right over that which is what you something that you would have done previous to this episode yeah. is you would have immediately started freezing your own shit well I think that's naturally where the human brain goes obviously <laughs> or like sometimes I'm out in the woods and I'm like I wonder if I could have this be Sting my husband on the penis. I wonder if he'd like that. Or do you think that would hurt? I mean, who's to say, right? Who would ever know if being stung on the penis would hurt? I'm demanding that we have a woman participate in this scientific study because... Not it. I'm not volunteering myself. Of course not. My husband gets stung by bees so often, actually, he might be the person in this study. He might actually be the real scientist. He gets he gets stung by a bee probably once a month. Like really? driving in his car, they fly in and sting him. It is absurd. And I will tell you this, I have never been stung by a bee. What? Yeah. It's it's a kind of a, a long running joke in our house because he's like must be made out of honey or he must be the scientist who loves penis bee stings i don't know <laughs> he is secretly covering himself with pollen mm-hmm. and something's going on he's into it yeah you might want to ask a couple deeper questions yeah something's going on there you know what i just learned an expression in swedish is there's owls in the woods and that means something is amiss oh owl but that but owls are in the woods i didn't make sense to me at the time but okay. maybe it makes sense when you actually are speaking Swedish. Swedish. But anyways, so I'm just going to put that in my little Rolodex of sayings. Maybe it's like uh, the fifth fifth kind, fourth kind. Maybe it's mm-hmm. like that movie where a- uh, owls are aliens. Yeah. 
And that's what they actually mean. There's aliens in the woods. Something is not right. Maybe in Sweden they don't have owls in the woods. And they think they're just made up American monsters. (laughs) We have an owl in our backyard. I can hear it early morning hooing. Should I I be worried? If if you lived in Sweden, yeah. Okay. Now I'm actually kind of worried now. (laughs) Well, at least you have an owl. We have a woodpecker. And he is just going at it at all times of the night and day. And it's, they have a lot of energy. They do. Um, All right. So let's get back to the science. Okay. Okay. Um, In 2014, IG Nobel Physics Prize went to Kiyoshi Mubachi, Kenzi Tanaka, Diachi Uchihima, and Rina Sakai. I'm so sorry if I mispronounce those. I really tried to do my best. So they measured the amount of friction between a shoe and a banana skin. (gasps) The Mario Kart experiment. Yes. And then between a banana skin and the floor, when a person steps on that banana skin. I I love this one. Me too. I saw this one and I was like, got to do it. So I think an interesting study would have been why the fuck someone would throw a banana skin on the floor and leave it for someone to slip on. This is obviously conducted by a series of clowns. This is That's who did this experiment. You- Mario Kart enthusiasts. I mean, was, there's something going on. It was Bowser. It was Bowser. Have you ever actually seen somebody slip on a banana skin? No, but every time I see a banana on the floor, I make that joke. <laughs> Uh, The results of the study, so they measured frictional coefficient, which was about 0.07, which shockingly is much lower than other materials. Say a paper bag, which took my fucking ass out in Mm -hmm. Rayleigh's. You remember Mm -hmm. that? My knee was fucked up for like months. Yeah. Um. I did the splits, and I haven't been able to do the splits since I was, like, in my early 20s. So it would made me do things that my body hasn't done in years. <laughs> Outside of, obviously, my home. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the study, how you would have much less chance of slipping on a banana peel than you would, like, a paper bag or even um, those, you know, when you buy, I, the only thing I could really think of is a makeup palette and they have that sheer plastic, mm-hmm. that see-through paper. Like the, the cover protecting the makeup. Yes. Um, those the plastic things protecting the makeup. Yeah. Turns out way slippier than bananas. So I actually think that we need to start a petition to move, remove banana peels from Mario Kart because it's scientifically inaccurate. I wonder what the first instance of somebody slipping on a banana peel was. Is this like a Three Stooges bit? Like, how did this get started where people just have the joke of slipping on a banana peel? Because it's a long-running thing. It wasn't obviously started by Mario Kart. I wonder what was the first instance of this. Are you a banana historian? I am not. No, not you, the listener. (laughs) I actually know you're not a banana historian. (laughs) I've met you before. Are you a banana historian? Please email us and let us know the history of slipping on banana peels. I know. It's very interesting to see that, you know, bananas getting a bad rap for something that 
is not even true. So you could, I, if you see a banana peel and you have no other choice than to walk and step on that banana peel, have no fear. You, you are less likely to slip on a banana peel. Say, I don't know, something else. I made banana bread today just to bring it all back around (laughs) to the joy of bananas. (laughs) And then, um, just I mean maybe banana bread is more slippery than the peel itself okay I'll step on a muffin I'll step on a peel I'll (laughs) tell you what happens thank you in the name of science okay so in 2013 an IG Nobel Prize for archaeology was awarded to Brian Crandall and Peter Stahl for parboiling a dead shrew no then swallowing the shrew without chewing and then carefully examining everything excreted during no. subsequent days, all so they could see which bones would dissolve inside the human digestive system and which bones would not. Okay. Okay, Jeffrey Dahmer, calm the fuck down. <laughs> okay. So this one, I had to actually purchase the PDF to find out the results of the study. I did not do that. So this is the only one we're kind of left Thank hanging. God. I just didn't feel it was worth it. No, don't support these maniacs. <laughs> so um, that that reminded me when I was little, uh, I used to find um, my grandparents lived out in the foothills in Northern California, and there used to be those owl pods, pellets, that, pellets mm-hmm. and I would collect them and dig through them. So am I any better than these archaeologists? No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I thought I mean, you were going to say when you were little, you used to unhinge your jaw and swallow animals whole. <laughs> no. I was worried. Um, you do that in Woodleaf. I mean, you do that in summer camp. You do that in science class to learn about what animals eat and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that you have to do it yourself. I think that a lot of these are people's excuses to play with their own shit. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of excrement experiments. There was a lot of very bizarre experiments. Um, Obviously, I couldn't list all of them. I I picked the ones that were most interesting in the time that I had to go through all of them. There's hundreds of them. I mean, this Mm -hmm. has been going on for over 20 years, so almost 20 years. In uh, 2013, an IGEL, IGEL... IG Nobel Prize for Psychology went to Lauren Beget, Brad Bushman, Uleman Zerhouni, Baptiste Subra, and Mehdi Obrihan. So they performed an experiment and confirmed that people who think they are drunk also think they are attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, don't need an experiment to know this because i am the sexiest woman alive after a couple glasses of wine it's fact i feel like this is could have been like the meanest experiment <laughs> to conduct because what did they just go into a bar and they're like with a this is what i'm picturing in my mind they scientists they're wearing lab coats they walk into a crowded bar they have their clipboard and they're like are you drunk yes okay check do you think you are attractive? And the person's like, looks at the mirror that's always behind the bar and they're like, yeah, 
I'm looking pretty good. And uh-huh. then the scientist is like, ugly person thinks they are attractive. <laughs> and then they walk away. Like, how did they, was it just that, that, that simple? I mean, did they round up a bunch of conventionally unattractive people or people who don't meet the obviously ridiculous patriarchal beauty standards and well what I found interesting make them think they were drunk or were they actually drunk and I guess it doesn't matter if the person is conventionally attractive or conventionally not attractive they could think that they're attractive and they could be right or wrong well it's subjective right yeah so and do the scientists are they are they the subjective ones because I don't think that they're judging if the person's right I think they're judging if the person just has that opinion of themselves right that's a fact that that is a fact that the person can feel attractive it's not a fact if the person is actually attractive does that make sense yes it does but I want to know did the scientists determine if that was true or not no because if they think they're attractive then you have to have uh, like a what is that um in science experiments a control yeah well no the control would be like when you're sober the percent i think actually i, I don't oh, know this but that would probably be of, the control is when be, they're sober they're asked on a scale of one to ten how attractive are you yeah. and then when they were drunk they were asked on a scale of one to ten how attractive do you think you are okay that yeah. is the control. and it has nothing to do with the person is quote-unquote attractive or not mm-hmm. it's just like their own opinion of themselves right okay. I want to know how many drinks everybody got <laughs> I because was... I do like a full circle where I'm like sober <laughs> unattractive two drinks I'm okay four drinks I'm a beautiful six drinks I'm ugly <laughs> ten drinks I'm dead you know like that's my circle it just comes all the way back around like I start hating myself I end mm-hmm. hating myself and that's the loop I, I I am sometimes caught in that loop too. And it is. It's like two glasses of wine. Oh my God. You should be a model. I should be a model. And then it's like four glasses of wine. Oh, okay. You, one, your left eye looks a little lazy and your skin <laughs> is a little bit sallow. You're sweating. You are sweating. <laughs> you forgot to shave your mustache (laughs) um yeah so I thought this was interesting I wish that everybody felt that they were attractive when they were sober well um alcohol is a confidence booster that's why they call it liquid courage right yes courage to believe in yourself at times maybe that's what people need I don't know um, so I thought that was kind of a funny one. That would be a fun study to participate in. I think I would do it. That's, yeah, that's probably the only one on the list I would do. Although stinging of the penis, that's a close second, but mainly because I don't have a penis to sting. So. <laughs> um, all right. So we were moving on closer to our year in time in 2021 IG, uh, Nobel medicine prize went to Oakley Bulat der Ola Cadon, I'm sorry, Buckard Lippert and Ralph Hallenberger, Hohenberger, excuse me. These are a lot of these scientists, these experiments were performed not only in the United States, but also countries all over the world. So there are a lot of like um, different names that 
uh, me as a stupid American has trouble pronouncing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they confirmed <clears throat> that orgasms, sexual orgasms, can be as effective as decongestant medicines at improving nasal breathing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a fun study to participate in. Yes. Uh, so everybody just had either a cold or allergies. And then had an orgasm and it cleared up the decongestion. And because I'll of just, the blood circulation or what? I Maybe it's you're distracted. I don't know. The maybe. bouncing got the <laughs> snot out of your nose. So attractive, uh, so sexy. Maybe. And just to give a little raw data and statistics from my own scientific experiment that I performed mm-hmm. um, the with the entirety of my sex life, I would say 90% of the time I've had a stuffy nose. I feel like every time I lay down, one of my nostrils is stuffy. Is that a deviated septum? <laughs> Maybe. I, so I just want to give a shout out to that 10% that actually decongested my nose. Um, um, so I just, I thought that was an interesting study. It was kind of cool. So I'm going to remember that next time I have a cold. But yeah, I don't know how like, long on, it babe. lasts. Yeah. I don't know how long it actually lasts. Um, I would assume like five seconds. Yeah, probably. But isn't it bizarre? Because if you think about, oh, have you ever had a massage? I don't think you have, have you? Mm-mm, not a real one. No. Okay. So on the flip side of that, every time I get a massage, my nose is stuffy. Do you think that's because you're laying like face down though? Face. Like it's it ha- just the position? It has to be. Um, so I don't know. Maybe what I'll do is I'll do my own scientific experiment. I will get a massage. <laughs> <Lay> face up. <laughs> get a massage, get a stuffy nose, and then have an orgasm. Not at the same time. That would be so inappropriate to the massage therapist. I would never do that to someone. Unless your husband is your massage therapist. Yes, of course. I just pictured you laying face up and you're like, it's for science. <laughs> the Actually, lady's like, I can't massage your boobs, ma'am. I don't like laying face up in a massage I feel very like vulnerable and usually you're topless and I just feel like you have a sheet covering you but I just I I don't know there's like a lot going on and I I know someone who gets their breast massage what I was yeah. saying that totally as a joke people I, get their front massaged uh, yeah my husband last time he had a massage had his stomach massaged well I guess it's different if you're a man because you don't have boobs in the way of your massage but I don't want I don't want the massage therapist massaging my breasts. No. Like if you don't have like if you are if your breasts are mainly muscle, I guess it would feel good to have them massaged. But yes. mine are not. Mine are definitely not. Mine are there's no muscle in these titties. It's all it's all fat. Yeah. Hmm. And I just interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting study. And then we are getting close to the end here. In 2002, an IG Nobel interdisciplinary research prize. I didn't even know that was a category. Mm-hmm. Um, was presented to Carl Kruzaleski, Kruzalenicki. Mm-hmm. 
Kruzelnicki um, of the University of Sydney in Australia for mm-hmm. performing a comprehensive survey survey of human belly button lint, and it's abbreviated to BBL. So that's belly button lint. Okay. So for, from continuing forward, when I say BBL, that is belly button lint. So the conclusion, now this is to me, I, and this is just how my brain works. I thought this was funny because it's something as simple as belly button lint. And then they use these really big scientific words to describe the process in which you get belly button lint. Mm -hmm. So this is a quote from the study and it says, quote, we hypothesize that the combined action of oscillatory motion of the shirt Mm -hmm. induced by breathing and the microscopical sawtooth serrations on the abdominable, abdominable, Abdominal, mm-hmm. <laughs> abdominal hairs mm-hmm. stooping towards the navel leaves leads to a perpetual production of lint fibers on the body, which is channeled to the navel where the BBL builds up. Now, that is a very fancy scientific way of saying you have a hairy belly, your shirt moves, and it directs the lint to your belly button. Yes. Um, but I just thought this was a kind of a silly experiment. I'm sure it's was exciting for this man in Australia. <laughs> but I thought um, it was funny because my husband always has belly button lint and I never do. Do you have an you have an innie too, right? I have an innie. I have an Audi, so I've never had belly button lint either. <laughs> Unless you glue it. Um <laughs> I glue it just for the fashion, you know, (laughs) when my son was little, one time he was really little and I was emptying out the dryer lint and he thought that that was like belly from belly buttons. (laughs) Oh, that is so cute. (laughs) And I was like, no, no, this is, that would be a lot (laughs) of lint. Could you imagine how many belly buttons it would take to fill a dryer? (laughs) A lot, like hundreds, thousands. That should have actually been the experiment. How many belly buttons full of lint would it take to fill a lint trap in a dryer? That is, I'm going to write the University of Sydney and propose that science experiment. No, let's For- just do it ourselves so we can be on the next one of these lists. Oh, we could. I'll start collecting my husband's <laughs> belly button lint. And so I'll just start, <laughs> just check it off day by day. So I always wondered, I did wonder, it did cross my mind, like, how come I don't get belly button lint? And, but he always has it. You must have a hairless stomach. I think it also depends on the type of clothing you wear. I mean, if you wear a lot of like cotton or flannel, I would think that would make more fibers than mm-hmm. like if you wear a synthetic or like a silky. Yeah, I think you're on to something because he does his work shirts are cotton, 100% cotton. Mm-hmm. And I think that lint from the dryer just naturally sticks to those cotton fibers. And yeah. then it just, yeah, his, his, I guess, belly hair is like a, like a water it's slide like a channel. straight. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's just straight right into his belly button. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Um. Yeah, I just almost like, let's talk about belly button lint. Okay, and last but certainly not least, I figured since we were balls deep in scientific studies, why not end it on actual balls? From belly buttons to balls, just like that. Yes. Yes. Okay. In 2019, the IG Nobel Anatomy Prize 
went to Roger Musset and Boris Benefudia for measuring scrotal temperature. Okay. Yes. So scrotal temperatures in men have reported to be either similar on both sides or higher on the left side than the right side. (laughs) Okay. During this experiment, men aged 20 to 52 were measured every two minutes with probes connected to their nets. Okay. Some men were put in four successive body positions for 15 minutes each, first naked, then clothed. The second part, 11 postal employees working in a standing position for 90 minutes continuously, I'm assuming fully clothed. And then the third part involved 11 bus drivers and a 90-minute period of continuous driving. Also, I'm assuming fully clothed. Okay. And the aim of these three groups was to get left and right scrotal temperatures. Mm-hmm. So in all three experiments, all three groups, the left scrotal temperature in the closed state was higher than the right scrotal temperature. <laughs> okay. I think it's because of circulation, because of your heart. Okay. That's my hypothesis so far. <laughs> So they came to the conclusion, the scientific conclusion, that the lack of thermal symmetry was seen in the right and left scrotum, whether naked or clothed, and this applied regardless of the position or activity. This difference between the right and left scrotum could contribute to the asymmetry in the male external genital organs. So in layman terms, it's more likely that the right nut hangs a little lower than the left nut, therefore making it a lower temperature due to its proximity to the body. So every guy, if their balls aren't symmetrical, it's always the right is always lower than the left. Yes, based on these three groups. Hmm. So it's that one is always hanging lower than the other, and it's, yeah, most likely... That has to do with other organs in your body. I wonder if it has to do with not knocking together. Like if I'm you're saying, a little... yeah, I, I could see that. But I'm saying if it's always one side is always the lower side. That has to do with other things in your body. Very interesting. I thought it, even though it is balls, I thought it was a very interesting. Mm. Um, and you know what I did forget to do? I forgot to examine my husband's balls before. Great. Before today. Episodes <laughs> ruined. I couldn't report whether I could scientifically <laughs> prove this to be true or not based on my husband's balls. <laughs> One more to check off the list of this scientific experiment. <laughs> so it will, I, I am going to look now if I remember and I will report back. Your husband hates us. I Both know, of us, including you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's like, stay away from my balls. Thank you so much. And you cannot tell people on your podcast which one hangs lower. Well, we already know, according to science. So, yeah. Secret time. Um, 
<laughs> so I um that's the end of this one and done and all these like silly oh kind of goodness. interesting fun science experiments. There is a lot, a lot, a lot more. Um, the IG Nobel Prize Wikipedia page is really cool. It's laid out by year from the very beginning to current Mm -hmm. and it has every experiment that won and what they won for and who performed it and uh, obviously a link to the um, research paper published in a academic journal so it's it's pretty cool I could spend I could spend hours looking at all these experiments research papers are hard to read Um, kudos to all these scientists who are brilliantly smart because like it was definitely a task to read these scientific research papers I bet but I think this also shows that science can look like a lot of things Mm -hmm. sometimes science gets kind of a stuffy you know people think it's kind of stuffy or dull but science is exciting and cool and can be sexy and gross and weird and yeah. slightly disturbing, and I'm still thinking about the bee stinging a guy's penis. <laughs> and and I just want to get on a soapbox here for just a second, and then we'll end this episode because I did one thing I did notice though is while there was a lot of female scientists that were presented awards, there wasn't a lot of female subject matter. So there wasn't a lot of science experiments done. In regards to like a female body or female, I guess, situation or issue. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If that's mm-hmm. making sense. I feel like I'm not making sense, but. No, that makes sense. But maybe they're just like, I don't want my vagina stung by bees. So in some cases, better. Yeah, I, th- I guess that's a good thing. But it's like, you more know. Si- more female focused science. Yes. Would be great. Yes. Always. But I did see quite a few female scientists, mm-hmm. which was so cool and so like awesome to see how many science, you know, female scientists winning awards, even if it's the IG Nobel Prize, like it's still an award. It's we're kind of poking fun at these experiments, but they're legitimate experiments. They were funded. Scientists are still doing science. And, um, you know, some of these proved to be kind of useful. I mean, everybody on this list is 10 times smarter than we are, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like, we're making fun of them, but they can still, you know, they're better than us at pretty much everything. Uh, My my older daughter loves science, and it's very exciting for me. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to promote that in her. Um, I know that there's a big push to get girls into STEM and stuff like that, which is a really Mm -hmm. cool thing to see, so. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So it was, I thought it, I thought that was cool too, um. But yeah, this was, this was like a fun little research one and done to do. And it's kind of cool because this science thing, I'll give you a little hint, might tie in, well, not might, is going to, it's a little hint to the next episode, main Mm -hmm. episode that we're going to do. It's not science-y, but it does talk about some scientific correlations between two things that are true crime adjacent it's sciencey and true crimey i would say yes so it's there's no shit in it though i don't think no no okay no 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 shit i don't maybe like minimal testicle talk (laughs) 
I can't make any promises that there won't be testicle talk, Mm -hmm. but I can 98% guarantee that there will be no shit talk. Okay. Talk of shit. Shit talking, We're definitely shit talking. Yes. But we're not. There'll probably be no talk of shit. Okay. So... I'm excited about our next episode. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. So anyways, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're super into science, then you're welcome. Um, And also, if you're from Sweden and you know this saying, email us and let us know like why, why that's a saying. There's owls in the woods and it's supposed to mean something is amiss. I smell a fish, something, something's fishy. Yes. I saw that, um... Alexander Skarsgård was, I saw like a little interview and he's from Sweden and he is in that new movie Viking. And I remember him from, was it True Blood? Um, He was the vampire on True Blood. Oh my gosh. That was one of like my favorite shows. But um, so he's from Sweden and they were giving him little like idioms in, in Swedish and he was mm-hmm. saying them and kind of explaining what they meant. So that's why I heard that. Yeah. Fascinating. He's, he I'm definitely gonna see that movie. Uh he is hot as hell. You heard it here last. <laughs> okay, on that note, love yourself. Lock your doors. And listen to your gut. And thanks for listening to us. <laughs> <laughs>